guest is Robert Roselli. He is the author of, uh, he's the author of Pleased to Meet You, which is a fictionalized book available at Amazon.com. And um, I guess in a nutshell, Robert, you deal with the um, what, what we might euphemistically call the satanic influence in history. Is that right? Uh, that's, that's pretty much correct. And, and first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, and, and just for reference, I mean, the, the website's boxupsunglasses.com. That's one word, and, and the books and everything are available there. But um, but but anyway, um, but yeah, you know, to answer your question, um, in a broad sense, uh, yes. I mean, if you're if you're a Christian, then you you believe that, and and, and it is true. Uh, satanic influence over the world, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Um, and let me just say this, and you know, just just to kind of fast forward. I mean, really fast forward till today. Uh, we can see the satanic influence on the back of our so-called Federal Reserve notes, uh, that unfinished pyramid with the with that stone eye, that triangular eye looking at all of us um, from our so-called money, um, which are really instruments of debt. So you can you can pretty much bridge um, our so-called modern financial system, uh, an impending disastrous financial system, all the way back to the Garden of Eden. So. In a broad sense, um, hopefully that, that answers your question. No, this is interesting. So you you deal with the, um, the well, there are two things I, I see here. Firstly, the the question of the proper monetary system um, that um, and maybe what you say is like a fake system where you have fiat currency that's backed by, um, I suppose you could say nothing. Others would say the full faith and credit of the nation that issues the currency. But um, and that's an interesting economic question. But more specifically, you're talking about the symbolism that you say represents a satanic influence, and and in this case, that would be the Great Seal of the United States, the in, the reverse side of that Great Seal, which um, I don't believe that, was made available to the American people until the 1930s when it was published. So we all know the front side of the seal, which is the eagle holding the arrows and the olive branch. But the backside of the seal, I believe, first appeared on the American $1 bill. I believe it was in the early 1930s. And that is, as you say, the uh, the Egyptian pyramid with the all-seeing eye on the top as a capstone that's separated from the pyramid. Um, so uh, what does that mean? And how is it that that became the great seal of the United States? Well, Chuck, let me let's let's just kind of uh, um, to answer your question. Um, yeah, the, this the Great Seal. I mean, it was drawn up, uh, you know, in, in around 1776. You know, the founding of this nation. It was drawn up by a small committee of, of Congress, and you know, many people uh, who might disagree with uh, vehemently, you know, claim that well, the founding of this nation was part of the so-called quote conspiracy uh, that we're going to talk about, you know, soon. Um, but it never really went anywhere. Um, I mean, it was drawn up and, and, and this sort of thing. But um, you're, you're correct. It was Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, who was heavily into the occult, um, and his little-known Secretary of Agriculture gentleman by the name of Henry Wallace, who was even more heavily into the occult. But you know, we won't go off on that tang mm -hmm. tangent right now. But that's when the Great Seal did appear around the, you know in the mid 1930s, around the time of the you know the Great Depression. Um, but it, just to answer your question. Um, now, the monetary system, uh, you know, in a secular, in a quote, secular sense, yeah, it did come online in 1913. Uh, it was nothing more, 
more than a uh, than a theft uh, on a national scale. It's nothing more than a national bank robbery um, and a coup, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, by the so-called international bankers that everybody tells you it's quote conspiracy theory. Uh, I promise you, it is not. It's basic historical fact that our so-called modern uh, quote modern monetary system was founded. Um, you know, in, in 1913, and, and not by international bankers, but when in fact it was. I mean, you can read the history. I mean, Rockefeller, Morgan, Rothschild family from interest, they were represented by Paul Warburg uh, and others. Um, they literally got on separate trains uh, one night, you know, in 1913, uh, you know, using pseudonyms and, 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 and whatever and aliases, uh, went down to Jekyll Island, Georgia, drew up this scam uh, we called the Federal Reserve System, uh, and it was passed into law, on, on, I believe it was December 23rd, uh, right before the Christmas recess, uh, 1913, uh, by our scallywag and lowlife uh, Congress. Um, so, you know, the lowlifes in Congress, they, you know, they were no different 100 years ago. Um, there's still a bunch of thieving, self-serving lowlifes, but that's another story. They signed this, this, this monstrosity into law, and voila, we had the Federal Reserve System. Uh, and let me just say this, okay? I, I don't care, um, you know, how many so-called quote experts, you know, we listen to on TV and these jokers and these liars, Paul Krugman and others from the New York Times and, and whoever and Chicago University and Harvard Business School and MIT. Um, they're all full of stuff. Um, you know, insert the proper word for stuff um, because our system, quite simply, it, it's, it's a, it's a debt-based system. Okay, and it was designed like that. Okay, it was designed, uh, you know, with the overlay of, 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 of uh, statistics and, and, and all kinds of mathematics and theories and, and inflation and an economy heating up and interest rates. Okay, that, that's all a bunch of blank, all right? Because underneath it's a debt-based system that can mathematically never be paid off. Okay, um, so now you're starting to hopefully understand um, how number one how simple it is, and number two why the people that um, drew it up had to travel in secret, travel to Jekyll Island and get it passed through Congress and literally in the dead of night, uh, you know, 18 hours before Christmas Day, 1913, okay? Um, because, at, at, you know, at the bottom, okay, you know, again, you could mathematically, it is mathematically impossible to pay off the national debt. Okay, let, let me say that again. It's mathematically impossible to pay off our national debt. So when you hear all these, you know, even on so-called Fox News or so-called conservatives, uh, and all these, you know, all these Republican scam artists talking about cutting spending and all this sort of thing. Um, it's just not going to happen. You know, if I'm the Federal Reserve System and I'm, I am now the new source of your money, uh, Chuck, and you're the federal government and I loan you money at interest, you know, how are you going to pay me back? You know, the only way to pay me back is to borrow you know, more money from me at interest, you know, the next year. And, and as you can see, that that's that's. That's basic insanity, uh, but that's that's the long and the short of it for our so-called financial system. Okay, so in other words, everything else is a lie. Now, just as an aside, I mean, this kind of explains why my favorite movie uh, and the title of my website and all that uh, is taken from John Carpenter's movie They Live. Okay, because it really is that simple. You know, I, I need to keep repeating that. It really is that simple. Okay, um, it's just our economy mathematically, and, and I'm not a a date setter, okay, like a lot of people are and a lot of, you know, so-called Christians trying to set dates. I, I don't believe in any of that. And, you know, we can get into that, you know, later on another show or whatever. But, but mathematically, this system must crash, 
Okay, it, you know, again, I, this, this is an opinion. This isn't conspiracy theory. This is basic, objective math. I mean, look, my background, my current employment, civil engineering. Okay, um, it, you know, it's objective. It's math. It, it's that's just what it is. Okay, then you know, then again, again, it comes back to the next question. Well, then why was the system set up in the first place? Uh, and, I, and I'll give you the why. I mean, obviously, the, the people that set it up knew what they were doing. Again, it's Rockefeller, J.P. Morgan, Carnegie, Rothschild, and the rest of them. You know, these so-called uh, international bankers that everybody calls conspiracy theorists, a conspiracy theory, or rather. Um, mm -hmm. They knew what they were doing. But the Congress, the congressmen, I don't know if you had women at that time, so, you know, whatever, be politically correct, Congress people, but whatever. I mean, they signed this into law. And the advantage for them, if you think about it, was now instead of, you know, adhering to a, a you know, a, a gold-backed, uh, metal-backed currency, which which in, inherently um, requires discipline because, you know, you only have so much gold, you can only produce so much, so much money. And I'm kind of painting that whole, you know, that whole thing with a broad brush. But, but anyway, the, you know, the, the point is that it allowed them to um, relinquish uh, that, that monetary discipline discipline that came that is inherent in article one uh section eight of, of the constitution that says you know the, mon the money monetary system the, the the money issued by the congress whatever form that is in must be backed by you know whatever the weights are i mean they're in there you know three eighths right. of an ounce of silver gold or whatever it is but the point is it has to have a metal backing so that implies a discipline but if you come up with a system that's purely based on debt. Like, you know, again, you're the federal government and you, and you come up to, hey, Rob, you know, can I can I borrow, you know, a billion bucks? So, hey, here, here, Chuck, here's a billion. Oh, by the way, uh, you know, there's a 5% interest on it uh, this year. Ah, don't worry about it. And then you take that money and you go out and what do you do? You, you give it away in EBT cards and SNAP cards and and welfare payments and government workers and government pensions. So what are you, what are you really doing? You're, you're buying those people's votes. Okay, you're seducing uh, the population. The Congress is seducing a population with quote free money, uh, and the Congress, you know, in turn was was seduced by the international bankers. Okay, um, and that that's a that's the basic history of the so-called quote Federal Reserve System. And let me just say one more thing, Chuck, and, and um, and I'll get into the more you know the biblical side of this. But um, it's very interesting just just to tie it to today's current events. Now, Donald Trump has a picture of Andrew Jackson in the Oval Office. And, and Andrew Jackson, I mean, he was he was the, the good last thing that he president. Did. I think he was one of the only uh, leaders of any nation in modern times who actually balanced the budget, and he got rid of the uh, the central bank, the, the second bank of the United States. Um, and you know, you mentioned the Constitution and its stand on the creation of currency. You're quite right. Article one, section eight, I think it's clause three says that Congress shall coin money and regulate the value thereof. Now, by coin money, that doesn't necessarily mean literally gold and silver coins. It just means create money. And thus, Congress and our government, our national government, is supposed to, under the Constitution, create our money, create our currency based on the needs of our society and the character of our society not a private cartel of bankers, which is what the Federal Reserve is. It's what the second bank of the United States was in Jackson's time. I mean, it goes all the way back to Alexander Hamilton creating the first national bank. So central banking is not new. Um, I don't think it's a good system. I agree with you on that. 
However, I don't think it's necessary <clears throat> that the gov that currency be gold or gold backed. I think that it and and that currency can be debt based, but the debt should be to the United States, not to private bankers. Um, the perfect example was right here in my own home state of Massachusetts, which has been the state that has originated many things around the world and many things in society. In colonial times, the state set up a land bank and basic, or the colony of Bay Colony, and they loaned money at very low interest rates to farmers and small businessmen who could present a plan for production. And uh, the interest would be paid to the state or the colony, which would then use the money to build infrastructure, you know, to put in gas lights and, and roads. And uh, the, the economy th was, and they created the currency. I mean, there was not gold-backed. It was fiat currency, but it was backed by the full faith and credit of the Bay Colony. And all of the other colonies saw the incredible success that this had, and they started imitating it as well. Like, for example, if you go to Maryland State House today, on the grounds of the State House in Annapolis is a counting room for tobacco. And tobacco was the most valuable crop in that colony at the time. So people would bring their tobacco in as collateral, and the colony would issue them currency. And that, again, was a system that worked incredibly well because the colony was governed by the people. The representatives to that government represented the people. And I think that according to legend, what happened is that Benjamin Franklin went to England for a couple of years and he was asked by the, by the parliament, what is the great secret to the success of these, these colonies' um, economies? And he said, they have their own money. And so the, uh, the parliament reacted to this by, trying to, by taking away the money and passing a law saying that only Bank of England notes and only gold and silver coin could be used to pay taxes and, to, and for commerce. And the colonies went into a depression. I think that that has a lot to do. It's one of the un, unknown aspects of the American Revolution. And one of the first things that the Second Continental Congress did when after the Declaration of Independence was they issued currency, the, uh, the continental, uh, you know, a U.S. continental dollar. Um, it was not backed by gold. It was backed by the full faith and credit of the government. And the reason it didn't do well is because the British counterfeited it, and they started flooding the market with counterfeits. But anyway, it's a really interesting subject for me. I actually wrote a book about it. Um, and, mm -hmm. you, you know, I, I think that I, I meet you halfway in that I don't think that currencies should be issued by private banks. I think it should be issued by the states or by a federal government that is elected and that represents the people because it's the people's money. It's not a private money. That doesn't mean banks shouldn't make money. They should. And that doesn't mean that the government can't lend money to banks to then lend out. And, and there can't be a system like that. And that's how credit unions work. But the idea of having a private cartel of bankers and investors deciding how to issue currency and then loaning it to the government and charging them money. for So we're paying interest on our own money. That's what is creating this huge expansion because, you know, if Congress had issued the money itself and they issued too much money, 
there would be a, an inflation and they would be booted out of office in a minute. So the restraining quality is the government itself, not necessarily gold. And also gold is a commodity and it can be manipulated by speculators. And a lot of these big bankers that we talk about, you know, the Carnegies and whatnot, they, and especially JP Morgan, they used their ability and their wealth to control gold to manipulate economies and to create depressions and inflation. So while gold is always a part of a currency, it's the, it, it kind of is an insurance against corrupt government and it plays a role in international trade, gold is not, I don't think gold should be the main aspect of a currency because gold is a commodity that could be manipulated. Sure, sure. Look, I, I don't, I mean, you're obviously, you know, a lot, know a lot more the technical aspect of the subject than I do. Um, and I'm talking uh, more thematically and I, I don't disagree that, look, I mean, maybe, I mean, this argument on both sides is the money has to be gold back or can a government just issue um, money on, on a full faith and credit of the government and the people? You know, and another example, I guess, would be, you know, Abraham Lincoln issuing green the greenbacks during exactly. the Civil War. Yep. Which, which we're not, Madison look, you know what I mean? greenbacks during the War of 1812. This is not new. I mean, John F. Kennedy um, was talking about issuing silver certificates without the Federal Reserve uh, that, that were found in, I think, in Fort Knox or somewhere. And in fact, he was in the process of issuing those silver certificates when he was assassinated, and that was stopped. So yes, well, there's a, yeah, there that's... is an ability by... Franklin Roosevelt wanted to issue, um, uh, you know, government, government currency, and then he was... You had the banker's coup, which didn't happen, but it, it was threatening enough right. to make him change his mind. So... You know, the government, right. this has been a struggle since Washington between the government taking responsibility as a public entity that represents the people to issue currency versus right. private forces, private bankers who want to go beyond their usual function and appropriate function and actually take over the right to issue currency, which is not they should not have. Which, which, is, which is what they've done with the so-called Federal Reserve System. And as anybody knows, Knows. I mean, even I think it was Dennis Kucinich, I mean, liberal Democrat from Ohio said, you know, the Federal Reserve is, 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 is as federal as Federal Express. I mean, so just 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 inherent in the name of what a scam it is, because it's not technically federal and there are no reserves, as we've discussed. Um, and it's not a bank. You know, as, far as, as, as far as the technical aspects of, you know, whether it's gold backed or, or you know, or, or just just backed on, like, as you say, like in, in the colonial times or, or, or uh, Abraham Lincoln with the greenbacks. But. You know, just just kind of you know, getting getting back to you know, really what I was getting at was, I mean, actually JFK was going to be my next example that you know the last president that tried to issue um, you know silver coins, you know, debt free, you know, outside of the Federal Reserve System was JFK, and 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 of course he wanted to pull us out of the Vietnam War, um, which parallels actually what Donald Trump's trying to do, taking on the Federal Reserve System and pulling us out of the oh, it's incredible Middle I mean, Eastern it's, wars. I, I pray for his safety every day. It's amazing what he's trying yeah, to do. Yeah, he actually thinks, yeah. Donald Trump actually believes that he is president of the United States. You know what I mean? That, and that's, <laughs> and, and that's scary. And that, because... that's a problem. You know, and, 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 and <laughs> this is, you know, JFK, JFK was acting like an actual president. And, and of course, right. he was, you know, his head was blown off in broad daylight by the only uh, round, the only bullet in United, you know, in world history that, you know, contravened, you know, fundamental rules of mode. Motion of, of Newton's laws of motion and the law of conservation of mass, um, you know, as we're told to believe, a pristine bullet that was didn't had lost no particles was responsible for all the 
uh, death and destruction, you know, from, you know, between the uh, governor colony and, and JFK. I mean, it was, it was absolutely just, again, you know, just basic laws of science were, were contradicted here. But of course, to ask those questions makes you a conspiracy theorist. But, you know, let's just cut the garbage here. I mean, the real point of the Kennedy assassination was the international banking cartel, you know, whoever it was, the CIA front, which is the CIA is another offshoot of the international banking cartel. Uh, or whoever killed him, it, it's almost irrelevant. I mean, the point was right, and you know, I we don't really know who did. I mean, I mean, I just want to be clear. So, I mean, and, I think and, that know, there was Chuck, some very important who, who, conspiracy who, who, work, but ultimately we don't really know. It's not been declassified. In fact, President Trump himself recently uh, tried to declassify information about the Kennedy assassination, and let's not forget this happened already almost fifty years ago. There is no one alive today, probably who was involved, so it's not a matter of national security that we can't get to the truth of it. But even in the declassification of information, he agreed with the FBI not to still release certain information, unfortunately. Yeah. So they're still sitting on things about this that we probably will never find out in our lifetime and nobody may ever find out. No, and and, and, and that's probably the point. I mean, you just, you just keep, you know, you're just wasting people's time and, you know, then you can say, quote, conspiracy theorists, you know, they keep running down these, these rabbit holes, these endless rabbit holes, these bottomless pits, um, you know, trying to figure out who it was. And I'm not sure it's that important to find out the who is as more, much more important is the why. I mean, you know, it definitely wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald. That was a joke. So obviously President was Kennedy was killed in broad daylight as a message to future presidents, you know, the first being LBJ that, you know, you're going to do what we, the international bankers, tell you to do and you're not going to take your job seriously. Uh, and of course, we've had you know a bunch of putzes uh, since then, except for maybe the exception being Ronald Reagan, um, you know, yeah. until Donald Trump, and, and you know, and, and you know, fast forward to today, and you know, and, and this is just where we are. But you know, look, as far as the assassinations, I mean, they tried, you know, there was an attempt on Andrew Jackson's life. I mean, you know, it, and it turned out, you know, he was actually, you know, two. The guy had two. An assassin had two single shot pistols, and both of them misfired. Yeah. Or else Andrew Jackson would have gone I mean, the way of JFK. Abraham Lincoln, you know, again, John well, Booth, I mean, he's, he's kind of like the, the Lee Harvey bit. Oswald. What's that? Let me just intervene here a little bit and just mention that um, I actually wrote a book about this topic. I, wrote, I covered 31 assassination attempts in the United States or plots or, or possible conspiracies. And, um, you know, we were talking about the Kennedy assassination. I think that, I don't know if you know about this one, but apparently Jimmy Carter was wanting to release the information about the Kennedy assassination and went on record of doing that. Shortly after his announcement, he was giving a speech in Los Angeles in an open forum, and there were buildings alongside the forum, and uh, the FBI picked up these two guys who were planning on, sh on shooting him. They had heavy weapons, they had ammunition, they had everything. One of the guys was named Raymond Lee Harvey, and the other guy was named Oswaldo Munez. All right. <laughs> now, this is it. I'm not making this up. This is L.A. Times. You can look it up. It's, it was widely publicized. They were both of them were vagrants. One of them was homeless. The other was an illegal right. alien. They held them for a, a day and then they let them go. They've never been heard from again. But right. that was a message to Jimmy Carter. And after right. that, Carter did not release the Kennedy information. And it changed his presidency. I mean, he became a different person after that in, in office. Right. Right. So, I mean, these are, you know, this goes to what we're talking about here. Now, I'm not making any accusations. I'm just reporting 
what was in the newspapers at the time. I mean, this is public information. Anyone can look it up. Right. Right. You know, look, and if we, even if we wanted to make accusations and, and, and that sort of thing, I know that gets into, you know, like legal matters and you start accusing somebody of something, but whatever. But even if we wanted to, we, we couldn't because we don't know who these shadowy figures are. But exactly. I, I did not know that. But that's very interesting. But that just that just kind of uh, buttresses my my earlier point is that the you know international banking cartel is sending a message to the whoever the so-called president is that you know you just sit there and look good you know every four to eight years you know throw a democrat in there and make you know make it look like you guys actually have elections in the united states throw a republic in there like a you know a scam artist like like the bush family or or, or a mitt romney or some other scam artist you know to go over there and roll over and, and, and play dead and, you know be an actor um and you know and then this again this is why i think we agree that you know trump is is attracting someone's vitriol oh, yeah. uh, from from all sides is because he's acting like a president um and, and he's not supposed to do that um you know my personal belief as to why they haven't just blown his head off in broad daylight you know but, he's uh, yeah, JFK is, about that and i also i i don't you know i i do believe that conspiracies happen all the time of course they do just like there's criminal conspiracies there are political conspiracies uh because when there's power and when there's money and when there's advantage you're going to have people who conspire to take advantage of that and to try to obtain it and there are ideological conspiracies as well like communism or nazism so i mean i i think that that makes an obvious amount of sense but i want to be very careful about saying that it's international bankers or it's this group or that group because i just don't know and i don't want, i don't think we need to try to make such accusations we can simply discuss the uh, the nature of the way things happen. I mean, they don't happen by by accident in many cases. They are they seem no. to have a pattern. They seem to be planned, and we could take a look at that, and we could take a look at why. You know, my study of the assassinations was very political. It's a great chance to review American history because you have to take a look at why would somebody want this person killed. What did they gain from it, and how did it change our political system or our way of life at the time they were killed? And there are some very interesting answers sure. to that. You could take a look at glimpse slightly. You could lift the hood a little bit and see who might have gained by this. But but we can't really know totally. So I just want to be careful about that. Oh no, I I understand that. You know, again, I'm not I'm not making any specific. I mean, look, the names I mentioned before. I mean, Jekyll Island. I mean, those those are the names. I mean, you, you could you know the, the investigation into the Kennedy assassination. There's another example. I mean, George Bundy. You know, John J. McCloy. I mean, these these are all Rockefeller front frontmen. I mean, that's just basic fact. I mean, they all ran in and out of Rockefeller circles for for decades leading up to that. So, you know, look. I mean, it's not hard to infer. But you know, I'll just leave it at that. I know you, you don't want to maybe don't want to go there. But, you know, but again, it's just my my right. personal opinion. And I'll emphasize that, that the reason they have not, that's that word they, you know, they quote uh, our shadow government or the, even the deep state. You know, even Fox News has to admit there's a shadow government at this point. It's, it's oh, so yeah. obvious. But anyway, the reason they have not, uh, you know, blown his head off in, in broad daylight uh, is because I, I think you just, they just can't get away with it. I mean, it's not like, you know, everybody's got iPhones. There's a lot of eyes. And plus, Trump has his own security. Uh, for obvious reasons, but you know, it's not like it was almost well, 60 years ago at this point. You know, we, we had what, Walter Cronkite and Dan Rather or whoever. He had two or three networks to control, and they put out the government. You know, the government propaganda. You know, the Council on right. Foreign Relations and 
that whole crowd no, it's mo- what um, we have you know, now put it out. It was Lee Harvey Oswald, and, and that's the end of it. And Lee Harvey Oswald, I mean, he's he's dead, you know, what, what within a, a day or so, uh, you know, just so happened to break into the Dallas Police Department and, and shoot him dead so he couldn't talk. And then the guy that shot him, Jack Ruby, I mean, he, he, he succumbed to cancer very silently in prison, so he was gone, and all of a sudden, you know, everybody, you know, it's wrapped in a bow tie, and it's, you know, and it's history, you know, it's just... But let, let, let me just, let's just jump back to the, to the original, um, you know, original point. Okay. Uh, that conversation, you know, as far as biblically, now, if we kind of split history, I mean, you know, the most important person in history, the most popular, most famous person in history, you know, like him or, or hate him, the most well-known is, is Jesus Christ himself. Yes. Um, you know, let, let this, whether you, he was the son of God, which I, you know, adamantly believe, or you, you just believe he was some, you know, scam artist. Nobody can argue with that this this person existed and he was the most controversial. Let's just use that word, person in history. But you know, let, let's just just look at his life. I mean, who did he? Um, going back to to Matthew twenty one, you know, and, and John chapter two. I mean, who who did he? I mean, he physically removed the money changers he did. from the temple. I think it um, was at that with, moment with, that John he was did, did it with whips. I mean, now, he, when he went into the temple and he started because the temple had become completely corrupted, um, mainly by the by the Romans and by the um, Hellenized Jews who were running well, the, the deal back then. And he went in there with a sword and he started to drive them out. And it was within, I think, probably a day after that, that, that he was crucified. And one of the most interesting images of that was that when he was brought before the Roman authority, that being Pontius Pilate, and um, Pilate asked, who do you answer to? And he said, I answer to a higher authority. And that was the first time, I think, in world history that you had a person stand up to the enormous power of the state. And, I mean, Rome, of course, was the, the, the empire that ruled the world back then. And for him to just stand there as one man and say, hey, I don't answer to you, I answer to a bigger authority. That was the beginning of dissent. It was the beginning of individualism in many ways. I mean, there are so many things we could look at, regardless of the theology. I mean, that's a, that's a religious question. But in a practical sense, there are so many things we could look at in his life that, that, that set certain trends that have really moved man forward in the sense of realizing who he is and what his potential is. Sure. I mean, but just, just to, just, just to, you know, but the money changers, I mean, from the um, you know standpoint of, of you know who he chased them out. Now, now this was this was a person uh, you know who was asking you know as he was being crucified was asking forgiveness for the you know the soldiers were pounding nails into his wrists and his ankles. Uh, you know, he's asking them you know for God to forgive them. But the money changers, he, he had he had no interest in forgiving. So that's a very very interesting symbolism there in the context of our, our previous conversation because. You know, fundamentally, what what were the money changers doing? I mean, I understand there's technical aspects. You know, we got into a little bit. And we you know we can go on for hours just talking about that. But fundamentally, what were the money changers doing? They they were demanding that you know there were there's a coinage that had to be used you know to to pay the temple tax which they demanded, and they were having people turn in their legitimate money uh, and exchanging it for the for coins that can only be used exclusively in a temple. So they were robbing people. They were using the temple. To essentially do it, um, which is in principle is the same, basically the same concept as our Federal Reserve System. I mean, look, whether you believe that you know money should be gold backed or just you know issued, right. it really isn't the point. The point is is that 
these these were robbers. And in the same sense, our Federal Reserve System is they took the legitimate wealth uh, of a country, uh, you know, for themselves, and they, and they, and they reissued fake fake debt in return. I tend to agree with that, and that it's sort of it's a way of skimming profits off the top in an unearned way. I mean, um, you know, when you have production, the, the currency should be a reflection of the production of a particular society. The money itself shouldn't be a, an item of profit. The money, you know, a bank can lend sure. money and make profit from interest, but the creation of the money should be neutral. It, can, it should be done simply sure. as a service to the needs of, of a given country. So this whole system, I mean, if we're gonna look at it broadly and philosophically, it, it is very regressive and it does tend to put power in the hands of a few people. And it also has both political and social ramifications because those people who have a mortgage on our property and our future, they also can manipulate our culture and they can manipulate how we see things and um, make changes that reflect their interests. And that, that in and of itself is, is deeply, is, is probably the most troubling aspect of this. Well, that's it. Interesting point. I mean, that, that's another. Let, let's just call the Federal Reserve System. Let's just compare it to an octopus. Um, and, and you know, and I think we even seen those cartoons. You know, actually, when we had a free and independent press before they were bought out by the international banking cartel. Um, I mean, you can go back in you know early 1900s, look at history books, and you can see you know an octopus drawing. You know, an rep, octopus representing you know the Rockefeller clan and Morgan and Carnegie and the rest of them. You know, kind of just taking over the, the the United States. The Congress, you know, Congress, as we, as we mentioned before, was, was was compromised easily. You know, 1913. But you know, it's very interesting. You know, it's a very interesting point because now, you know, what's another aspect, another arm of this octopus are the so-called tax exempt foundations. Uh, that would be your your Rockefeller uh, Brothers Fund, your Carnegie Endowment, um, Ford Foundation. Uh, today, that would be you know George Soros would be would be kind of a late add-in to that that whole gang. Of, of, and I mean gang, uh, as in like Al Capone, a, a gang of, of, of robbers, which is essentially what these people are. Um, you know, you, you go back and, and, and you look in, in, in our so-called colleges and people are sitting there wondering, you know, all these so-called great conservatives and these, you know, these country club Republicans, Limbaugh and the rest of them are sitting there wondering why are our colleges, you know, 98% liberal or so-called and socialist and why we're turning out socialists. Hey, look, Chuck, you know, it goes back to the same old thing in the old adage. I mean, just, just follow the money. I mean, don't, don't try to just follow the money. And when you follow the money through the colleges and you, and you end up at the tax-exempt foundations, and, there, and there's your answer, okay? And as a matter of fact, uh, the Reese Commission back in the early 50s, and this is another book people can get on Amazon.com. It was a committee of Congress uh, that ran parallel with the great Joe McCarthy, by the way, and that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they, um, you know, they, they did there's a whole book on this. It's called Foundations, Their Power and Influence. And you could read through there. And, and what they found is that these, these organizations that I just mentioned, um, you know, they, they fund all these so-called uh, colleges and universities. They took over the Ivy Leagues and, and with, a, with a, a liberal slant. And, and if you think about liberalism and you wonder why would the, you know, the biggest capitalists in the history of the world, you know, why would they be so interested in establishing a liberal society? It's not really antithetical to what they are. It's actually exactly what they are, which is authoritarian um, power-hungry megalomaniacs, and and that's right. really at the, at the at, at the at the bottom of the, at the end of the day, that's really what liberalism is. I mean, liberalism is um, education, uh, industry, economy, production of food, healthcare, uh, everything issued uh, by the central authority, being the government. And if that sounds a lot like national socialism or Nazism or communism or 
whatever you want to call it, that's exactly what it is. So that's why when you when you go above the level of all this nonsense about you know communism and Russian communism and socialism and that, you go above that, you'll find the international banking cartel was behind every one of those regimes. And I'm talking about communist Russia. I'm talking about Nazi Germany. I'm talking about liberal socialists, whatever you want to call them, uh, in America today. Uh, you, you find above that all, and, and, and another analogy, you picture a pyramid, you know, no pun intended, and that, that's really where the power structure is. As a matter of fact, when people doubt that, I mean, I have another book on my site, it's called The Un-American Genocidal Complex, that traces this, this history, and in a particular case of Adolf Hitler, I mean, Adolf Hitler was made and produced right here in the United States. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm just going to flat out saying that, I and mean, that's not you saying it, you know, for any, I'm, I'm saying it. I mean, that's basic historical fact that you look, Go back to the history, uh, IG Farben and, and Ford and, and, and you know Standard Oil and, and all these other companies. Right. That's what the Nazi war. That was the backbone of the Nazi war machine. If there's no IG Farben, which was a spinoff of Rockefeller Standard Oil, and there's that name again. There, there's no Nazi war machine. Um, and, no, no, and if you no, think look of, at it. I mean, Anthony Sutton, it, National, the um, Hoover Institute fellow, did a very good series of books on this topic: the the Bo Wall Street and the Bolsheviks, Wall Street and Hitler. Uh, where he shows sure. the uh, the financial backing of these movements coming from, I wouldn't say the United States, but I would say uh, you know, certain international banking and um, finance groups. I mean, the Rockefellers actually maintained oil production in Germany even through the war. I mean, it was, uh, sure. you know, it, it, there is definitely a money trail on that one. Sure. Sure. No, no, no. There's no doubt. And, you know, again, th think about what I'm saying. And again, this, this, is, this is a historical fact. And as you mentioned, Anthony Sutton, I think, is the author. You mentioned Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution. Yeah. Uh, he wrote a bunch of books, you know, about nine. And he's, he's, a, he's a, a source, not the only source, but I use multiple sources for my information, uh, by the way. But, uh, you know, he is a source of information on that. But, yeah, you, you can go back. And, and again, you know, my top secret source for a lot of this information that I get is Amazon.com. I mean, if people would bother to pick up a book and you know and, and put down the Fox News and the, and the other the other nonsense coming out of the coming out of the idiot boxes, uh, and now and now I guess the iPhones, um, they you know they might learn something. And, and and if you think about it, I mean Hitler, I mean if you compare not you know national socialism to modern American liberalism, then they're really not that much different. You know if you, you think about you know central authority controlling production of food, controlling industrial production, controlling education, controlling health care. Um, it's not that much different than the so-called liberals. Okay, well, now of course I mean, you say Hitler was a warmonger and a murderer, but hey, you know, again, you know, Hitler, and you can argue with this, and I'll argue right back. I mean, but Hitler got all his ideas about eugenics and everything. He got that right here in the, in the good old USA and, and England. Okay, now that's going back to Charles Darwin and evolution and, sur and I mean, survival Darwin's of the cousin, fittest. Uh, that being Francis Galton, he coined the word yep. eugenics, which means good right. life, and good he, genes. Uh, yeah. You know, they were very close collaborators, and the idea was to isolate and, um, you know, move away less evolved human beings and species of human beings. And, um, yeah, I mean, but, but ultimately, you could take a look at the classical de uh, dictionary definition of socialism, which, by the way, um, modern dictionaries have tried to tinker with. But you could go back a few years. And what it is, is public ownership of the means of production, public ownership of, of uh, communication, and public ownership of distribution. In other words, the state owns 
all aspects of your life. And when you have a state that's not uh, operating in the constraints of a constitution and that's not elected to represent you, then that state operates as an agent toward an international order or what we might euphemistically call a one-world ant colony where everybody becomes de facto equal. But anyways, uh, Robert, I want to uh, just briefly get into one more aspect before we wrap it up here, and that is that um, we talk about the, um, the, you know, what, what uh, President Martin Van Buren called the money power, and where its locus is. And my sense is that today, in our times now, the locus primarily is in China. And I think that the Chinese are going to be the future center of it. Um, and um, one of the pieces of evidence I would offer, besides the fact that they maintain still a very top-heavy communist system that allows for free market in order to make money and that controls their own population through things like social ratings on their smartphones and other technologies, they have also pretty much seem to have co-opted our big social networks, Google, Facebook, I believe also, Twitter as well. And that we thought that when we got rid of the three networks as being the main source of news, we might have some freedom. You know, we had talk radio for a while. Then we had the internet for a while, which is what you and I are doing right now. And, um, you know, I came into this thing with a certain idealism, thinking, oh, great, I could finally speak my mind and, and, and get my ideas out, even though I, I was nervous about, I assumed that that wouldn't last forever. Well, it's not lasting forever because they are censoring and they are taking their cues from China because they want to do business in China. And China has told them, you can't, you, you know, you have to set up a system of censorship. And so they're doing that. And I think they're, they're gradually going to import that here. And, um, that is something that I think they probably resonate with as well, ideologically, because I think they set those networks up for free speech, mainly for people who think like they think, which is on the left. And they're wanting to, scratching their heads of what are we going to do with the fact that there are alternative voices that are coming up and that they're having influence and they're creating influence on elections. And now they're coming up with a means to censor us. So that to me is the future locus of the socialist experiment, and that being China. What do you think? Well, sure. I mean, it's just, you know, without getting into the whole China thing, I, I think, well, China was another, you know, the Red Revolution, so-called, I mean, it was another setup by the international bankers. But I think what happened, and, and as happening in Russia, I think what's happening is China is kind of running outside the realm of the international banking cartel. And, you know, without getting into it, I think that's really the real source of the Battle of Armageddon. And let's not go there right now, but in a more specific sense, um, what's what's happening is, um, yeah, you know, the Chinese the Chinese are moving in. I mean, you know, they're they're, they're influencing our, our universities. I mean, of course, you had the whole Clinton Gore crime syndicate back in the '90s. You know, exchanging money, mysterious bags of money with Chinese monks and stealing our technology and all this sort of thing. But you know, like any authoritarian regime, uh, just like Animal Farm. I don't know if they still read Animal Farm in school anymore. It's back, that's probably banned too. Ironically enough, I mean, some people are. Everybody is equal, but some are more equal than others. I mean, right. thematically, that's 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 socialism or communism. And you know, it's, yeah, you know, we you know we're open-minded as long as you agree with us. I mean, that could be another mantra of, of the so-called liberal left. Um, so that that's exactly what it is. They're just looking to crush dissent and, and, and crush uh, opposing voices, just just like the 
the Roman slash uh, Jewish hierarchy did back in um, you know Jesus' day. You know he was exactly. he didn't he didn't never accept any, you know with the if we mentioned about the money change he never raised a finger, but he was a dissenting voice peacefully you know as he did it. But you know you, you just can't you can't have dissent. You know the same I guess to wrap this up you can't have a free and open society as is stipulated by the United States Constitution. Um, with an underlayment of morality, of course. I mean, all, most of the founders were, were devout Christians because um, they understood you, you can't, can't give people unbridled freedom. I mean, that, that's a logical uh, right. train wreck course, if you think not, about it. I mean, then, 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 then what's his, you know, then, then Hitler and, you know, you know if you, you don't have, if you have absolute uh, freedom uh, and, and, and everybody's his own judge, then, then, then you end up with, you know, with Adolf Hitler and, 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 and Charles Manson and, and these kinds of people. So, of course, you have to have a, an underlayment of, of of basic uh, civility and, and, and morality, but but other than that, I mean, yeah, you want to decentralize power as much as you can from a, from a central uh, authority, um, and, and and you do that, you know, you, you just like they did in the Constitution, you spread the central power out amongst three branches of government, and you and you spread it out from the from those three branches to the to the states. I mean, and this is exactly. Um, you know, what we're up against this is exactly why the international banking cartel, which, again, sits above all these aforementioned communism, socialism, Nazism, sits above all that. This is why it hates. And again, I, I actually, Chuck, this is a good way to conclude. This gets back to the whole conflict, going back to the Garden of Eden. This is why Satan hates God. And, and, and take my word for it, if you read the Old Testament, God hates Satan and he hates all that follow him. And that's that's Old Testament. Maybe we can get into that on a future show if you're interested. Absolutely. But yep, th will. this is this is this is the conflict. Conflict. Okay, this this is. I guess this kind of this will circle back and kind of conclude. This is when you go above these systems, which again are nothing more than than man-made, man-controlled systems. Then you have God, which kind of gets into you know evolution. You know, why do these people hate God so much? Because with God, they don't get the rule. If there's no God, then then the state fills in that that power vacuum. And this is why liberals are so intent on the theory of evolution, which is the biggest scientific scam in world history, by oh, the way, way bigger than climate change scam. I agree with that. It's the central but that's, tenet that's, of, of their their political faith, and it's um, it's the one thing that, that everything else springs from, that, and it cannot be questioned. Anyways, and I wrote a book about that, too. I mean, I've, I have like about 14 books, and, and I get the sense you do, too, Robert. So, uh, uh, yeah. you know, you've got some good stuff here, Robert. Um, let our listeners here and viewers know how they can get copies of your books, where they can find out information about you, uh, give out uh, whatever information you'd like to do to give out. Okay. Um, again, you know, thank you again for having me on. I appreciate it. And hopefully, sure. we, you know, we can do it again, but obviously we can go on for, for hours here. But anyway, but the, um, you know, the website is boxofsunglasses.com. That's all in one word. And, and that's in honor of, again, my favorite movie, you know, uh, they live. John Carpenter's They Live, and you know Roddy Piper finds the box of sunglasses and put them on. I mean, because thematically, that's that's exactly where I'm coming from. So you go on there, and then in my books, uh, you know, I have I have three books for sale for PDF download or for Amazon. You know, pleased to meet you. Uh, the Un-American Genocidal Complex, which we talked about briefly, which documents you know Adolf Hitler made it, you know, made and financed here in the United States and England, uh, and also They Live, Great Society of the Undead. Um, which is a really big book um, that's available in the, on the honor system for that. That's actually a free download. You know, you can pay what you want for that or get a, get the bound copy on Amazon. Again, that's boxofsunglasses.com. And there's all kinds of videos. And, and I probably have another, I don't know, Chuck, maybe another 10 or 20 books worth of information just on that website, just, just really for PDF download. But I'd really appreciate it. I mean, the 
I, I, I'm independent. I, you know, shows like this, you know, I have to pay out of my pocket so people could support me by, you know, buying well, at least put, one or two of the books. Yeah, I'll put a I link really up appreciate to, it. Keep me going. And, and absolutely. God bless. And, you know, I'll put a link up to the YouTube page and, um, you know, that, that should give some, some help on that one. And, um, no, you know, look at Robert, you're a real truth teller. And I, I really appreciate, um, talking with you this afternoon. Yeah, Chuck, thanks for having me on, and we'll talk again. All right, take care. Okay, I shall return, God, God willing, tomorrow at the usual time, 12 noon. Have a good afternoon, everybody.